Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Seek Outside podcast. Um, Kevin and I are joined today by Zach Harold. Um, you can find more about Zach at BattleMountainMedia.com, Instagram, and YouTube. We were just talking about Zach's experience in the podcast world, so I think we'll we'll start off we'll start off there. You had some good tidbits. I don't know about if they're good tidbits or bad ones, but I have a few. Um, I I started a podcast called Archery Maniacs, um, and when I first started that thing, there was there was only a handful of other outdoor podcasts, <clears throat> and uh, so I started getting traction, and then everyone else started flocking to podcasting as well. And I had several podcasts that the audio just wasn't wasn't what I wanted it to be. And I figure if I got unlucky and two people listened to two crappy ones at the same time, you know, one after the other, they might not ever come back. So I don't know. I had like 280 episodes, and I deleted them all and started over. Whoa, really? <laughs> yeah. So I am up to 80 or 90 episodes, and I recently switched it to from Archery Maniacs podcast to the Battle Mountain podcast. Battle Mountain um, podcast. Okay. Yeah, because I, I mean, I love archery hunting, but I love to hop on and and just talk about backpacks or rifles or whatever else also. And I figure if somebody went to an archery podcast, we started talking about rifle hunting, they would be like, "What the hell?" Mm. <laughs> so on your archery podcast, do you cover? Everything archery, like trad, compound, the whole gamut. Yes, sir. That that's uh, <clears throat> that was definitely. So I used to have. I I was doing five podcasts, new podcasts a week, and I hey, was Dennis, covering. Now you know what your goals are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, well, first uh, we got to yeah. delete all of ours for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I would focus on a certain topic for each podcast so that obviously made it uh, for each episode. So that obviously helped, right? So one episode I would talk about tournament archery and the next ex- episode would just be archery hunting stories. And then maybe the next episode would be just tips and tactics. So maybe paper tuning or something along those lines. Um, and that's kind of how I helped keep the ball rolling. Because yeah. if you just try to randomly talk about archery every episode, you're going to be like, ah, I'm, this is a little rough. <laughs> you have anything on um, resolving tennis elbow in a hurry? <laughs> um, you know, I I think what typically happens with tennis elbow is when, when at least in my experience, is people are probably shooting slightly overextended. Um Either that or they're not locking their elbow out the correct way Um, because you can overlock your elbow and that's what you'll see in, you know, like a lot of tournament archers. Right. And they're Mm -hmm. and they'll start having elbow issues. Um, But if you shoot with uh, maybe even a different release or a slightly shorter draw length, you can have a slight bend in that elbow and uh, that that removes it from being the bone on bone contact while the bone on bone contact is typically more accurate. Um, the, you know, then you're not, your cartilage and everything isn't grinding while you're shooting. Mine might have a little bit of archery basis because I was practicing archery stuff fair amount late in the year. But what set mine off was I had about four or five inches of ice in my driveway. And one day I, I took a uh, splitting maul, the dull end of an eight-pound maul, and just went out there and started hammering it to try to break it up so I could get back to seeing dirt and cement. And, <laughs> and then the next day I was like, oh, what's wrong with my elbow? Right. So, and I've been kind of that way ever since. I've had a few better days, and then I've 
went ahead and uh, jacked it up just as soon as I think that I'm starting to get better, I do something dumb, and there it goes. Yeah. That's understandable. We have uh, the ice builds up pretty good right there in front of our house also. <laughs> and I use this chipping wedge and do the same thing. And, and uh, yeah, next day my mm-hmm. shoulders are typically sore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you'd never know that ice build up right now. All, all that's behind me is blue sky. Yeah. But, so let's, let's get into... Um, you did a big pack review on Rockslide, the internet forum Rockslide. How did that come about? Did they approach you? Did you just have this wild ass idea or what? Um, so I've kind of always been a gear nut. Uh, I, I love diving in and figuring out why gear works or why it doesn't or why it works for me and might not work for somebody else. Um, and I break a lot of gear. So uh, <laughs> with, with all that, you know, combining together, um, I, I've bought stuff before and literally broke it on the first trip. So I thought to myself, I was like, well, it'd be pretty cool to be able to test all these backpacks against each other because it's just like a vehicle. You know, people like them for certain reasons or the backpack fits a certain person and doesn't fit another person typically. Right. I mean, very rarely does one backpack fit everyone, uh, much like boots just typically doesn't happen. And um, so I reached out to Robbie and I said, hey, I have this idea. Um I don't want to just test one or two backpacks. I want to test as many as we can get our hands on. And uh, so that ended up being nine of them in the first test. Um, And like I mentioned to Robbie, uh, Seek Outside wasn't actually one of the initial nine. There was just going to be eight. And all these people jumped on the forum and they said, we want Seek Outside. We want Seek Outside. So Kevin was uh, paying attention to the forums and he sent one out uh, as quick as he could. And and that's, you know, then, then I started doing these tests. I started wearing it and all that stuff. But yeah, it just came about because I very rarely, if ever, does somebody actually get to test that many backpacks against each other um, in real life situations, you know, yeah, maybe you can go to a store and just try one on, but man, that's a lot different than shooting with it on and seeing how it does in the rain and seeing how it, how long it takes you to load it, you know, how long it takes you to unload it, you know, is it, you know, so there's, there's just so much more when you actually get to have it and feel it and make it fit your body, you know? Yeah. My opinion has been that most packs are um, designed to sell well from the store shelf or store rack. Um, beyond that, you know, that they aren't necessarily designed for in the field stuff. And as a case in point, like you may go into the store and be like, oh yeah, it has pockets for my pockets and this, and it looks cool. It looks technical and the belt will automatically form to my whatever with 84 degree temperatures or whatever it is. Right. And you try it on and they're like, well, does it feel good? And you're like, well, yeah, it feels all right. You got five pounds in it. And then they put like, <laughs> and you're like, but you only have that in there for like two minutes. They're like, does that feel good? And you're like, yeah, it feels great. And then you're selling out your 300 bucks. You get home and you load it up. And after you've had it on for like 30 minutes, you're like, am I suffering buyer's remorse here or, or what, you know? Right. And you're like, oh, this makes me miser- miserable. I can't walk for three hours with this thing on. Yeah, I was actually going to say it's even worse when you buy one on the way to your trip. 
<laughs> you know, I mean, sometimes you could get lucky, right? Uh, I mean, let's be honest. You could maybe, maybe you swing into Kafaru or maybe you swing by seek outside and you're like, Hey, hook me up. I'm headed on a big trip or maybe an Eberly stock fits you really well. I don't know, but the likelihood of you going and stopping in a sportsman's warehouse and getting a $250 pack and putting 60, 70 pounds in it and walking three to five miles in and being like, yeah, that was a, that was a good choice. Probably not that likely. <laughs> yeah, to go along with the sleeping bag that you find out is nowhere near a 20-degree bag. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> On yeah. the first 20-degree night. Yeah, <laughs> and, and your sleeping pad didn't hold air. So yep. not only did you sleep on the ground, you froze your ass off, but your shoulders are sore too. <laughs> and the next night you're like, screw this backcountry hunting stuff. Yeah, I'm going home. <laughs> yeah. I like to hunt out of a camper. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure for sure yeah so okay so yeah it's 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 different like i mean i think you you've done probably the most thorough and i i encourage any of our listeners to go look it up on rock slide it's well it was the thread 20 some pages long and fifty thousand plus views or whatever yeah Uh, i encourage i think you've done the most thorough comprehensive multi-backpack review I've seen. I mean, someone can take a pack and wear it for a year and write a review. That's very much a deep dive into that particular pack. But it's difficult to take nine packs and go through all these different scenarios, plus put field time on them as well and find without taking eight or nine years. And let's be honest, the packs aren't going to be the same in eight or nine years. No. Everyone's going to change their designs a little bit. Right. Uh, some for better, some for worse. Well, and I think I, I was, I'm kind of in a unique situation because with my media company, I film hunts, right? So not only do I hunt several states a year and my wife does also, but I'm going and I'm filming all these people that are hunting also. So that right there allowed me you know, the opportunity to be in the field when somebody shot something so I could see how, you know, see how it handles bloodstains. So I could see how it handles maybe the load shifting or not shifting, you know, is it, is it really secure or is it not? How is it when you're crawling over that deadfall, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. and being in the situation that I'm in allowed me to do that. You know, if I was, if I was hunting one, one or two tags a year, it, it just probably wouldn't have been possible, you know. You'd have, to, you'd have to pack to the truck and then move that load into your pack and pack it back into the field and then come back yeah. and get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah with, another exactly. pack, with another pack strapped on the back, so you would have yeah. the stone yeah, glacier pack packing. Back out. You'd be packing the elk back into the woods with a stone glacier, right? And, right. And then you would switch it to the Sitka with the stone glacier on back and pack it back out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like. I just, yeah, yeah. I just, and my whole goal was, uh, was to be as unbiased as possible. Uh, cause I didn't, I don't think it's fair for me to go into it and be like, I really want this backpack to win. Um, uh, the only backpack I really had any experience with was a Kafaru. Um, I, you know, I had tried some on at trade shows or whatever else, but I'd never actually used them. Um, I'd u- and I'd used an Everly stock before. And then the mystery ranch was mine. Um, I got a lot of flack for that, you know, not using mm. the updated mystery ranch to set and whatever. And I'm like, well, they didn't, 
they didn't respond. And that's, that's, you know, that's no like hate or dig on them. If they didn't, if, I don't care. You know, I, yeah. I happen to have an, a mystery ranch. It wasn't their newest hip belt. You know, it wasn't their new harness system, but, um, it was still a mystery ranch and I still included it. Um, I have tried on their their new harness and their new waist belt, and it is much more comfortable than the one I have. So I wish they would have sent one. Right. You know, not saying it would have won. I have no idea, but it is definitely more. It's an improvement from the one I well, had. That's for sure. That, it's not your fault from the exclusion. You know exactly, and, and people and, gave me all this flack. And I'm like, I'm not going to go out and just buy it. Like <laughs> I think you just hit on something really important. People gave you all this flack because. I also thought um, that you handled it really well because for whatever reason, um, hunters and packs, sometimes their brand loyalty seems to really get the best of them. And it's like they got their horse and if their horse didn't win, well, then the race was flawed and yeah. it was whatever, you know, as well, right? So yeah. I, I thought from the beginning that you were going to probably be put in some uncomfortable positions or need to deal with people that were like, but that horse didn't win, you know? I had several, including some, some owners of companies reach out that weren't overly happy. And, um, mm. you know, there's a, there's a reason why in part one, I showed me putting the weight in the backpack mm. because if I'm doing that, how, how is, how is anyone going to look at that and say, you lied, you didn't pack that with the Kuyu, but you definitely looked like you had it in the Kafaru, mm -hmm. you know, there's mm -hmm. a reason that at the beginning of part two, I said, it depends on your body size and shape. At the see, end of the day, us, it does. <laughs> see, from us, we've always been the underdog in the pack world. We just kind of expect to lose. You know, <laughs> we're like, oh, you know, they didn't include us. You know, we're like the Charlie Brown of the pack world. You know, we're like, eh, we expect so. It's not, if he doesn't like us, it's not like we're going to call him up and send him hate mail or anything. <laughs> you could. You could join him. <laughs> <laughs> it was really, I, I don't know. I At the end of the day, I, I literally just told the truth. I told how it performed for me. And that's why I gave the caveat. This is how it performed for me. It could be completely different for somebody else. You know, I'm five foot six. If somebody is six foot 10, chances are a backpack is going to feel different to them than it did to me. Well, yeah, chances there's, a lot, are. there's a lot with shoulders, back curve, right. a, lot, a lot of things, right? Amount of body fat. Um, one of the things we noticed is we introduced a double XL belt a couple of years ago, right? Um, because we were having problems with belt slipping on larger people. And it was like part of our core concept of our backpack was that we really kind of gripped into your iliacs and used that. And that seemed like a logical place, right? But mm -hmm. um, when I'm gonna, when I eat too much ice cream, consistently day after day when I just open up the bluebell starting out my I like ice cream. kind of start to disappear you know like I'm wearing a puffy jacket mm -hmm. and then the pack doesn't sit there so we had to approach that a little bit differently and we had to make the belt you know wider um, to be able to get more surface contact area to 
to grip sufficiently. And it's really just kind of different. But yeah, but different body types are going to perform very differently. Yeah, and and that's yeah, that, that's literally why I said that. The first sentence out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, I spent most of last week having ice cream for breakfast and lunch. <laughs> I think that's completely fair. I'm a, I don't know about you. I'm a cookies and cream kind of guy. <laughs> I don't know. Millennium brunch was very good. <laughs> um, Zach, so what, what pack have you used the most, I guess, in like your career hunting, right? And um, filming and stuff like what, what, what pack do you have the most experience with? Um, actually the Kafaru, uh, gosh, a ways back. Um, I see my son was four. So four years ago, uh, four and a half, almost five now, I guess I ordered a Kafaru. Uh, a friend of mine reached out. He said, man, these packs are great. I didn't even, uh, I know I knew so little about it. I didn't try it on. I didn't ask questions. I just called up and talked to Kafaru cause everyone, they have great customer service called up and I said, Hey, uh, this is what I'm going to use it for. What do you recommend? And before I knew it, I had, you know, the duplex frame and, and a 7,000 cubic inch bag and a couple pockets and, and all this stuff. And it shows up and I was like, man, this is great. Um, but really I didn't know any different. You know, I had had a, an Everly stock with the, like the, what is it? The M one frame or whatever, um, mm. for maybe half a season or one season. And that was my only other thing to really compare it to other than uh, a $75 external frame pack from uh, Sierra Trading Post. So I didn't have anything to even compare it to, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, then I got more and more into it and learning more and more about it and uh, just hearing good things about all these different packs. And I was like living in the middle of nowhere so i'm thinking to myself how in the hell am i going to get to try these on you know <laughs> sure you know i don't go to denver i don't go to the trade shows uh, how am i gonna get to try these on and so then uh i just started talking to more and more people and then finally it uh came up where i met robbie denning through my podcast and then we started talking about gear reviews and all that jazz and then uh then I got to, you know, test them all out. So were there any like super big surprises, like anything that happened during all this that you're like, holy cow, this was totally unexpected. You or know, I was really unexpected. I was really surprised with your guys's pack. And I'm not just saying that because I'm on your podcast, but your guys is, well, seriously, I'm not that guy. If you watch my review, you know, I'm not that guy. Like, <laughs> um, your guys's pack and, um, the Sitka pack surprised me because Sitka has never been known for backpacks ever. Mm -hmm. And they completely redesigned it into the mountain hauler 4,000. And I think it's the 6,200 and I was very impressed with it. Um, but, uh, also the Kuyu, everybody was so negative about the Kuyu and how it, isn't strong and how it squeaks and how it's just going to break and, mm -hmm. Blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, I don't know any different. I've never used one. So, you know, and I, I like I say, the only one I had really had any experience with was a little bit of the Everly stock, a little bit of the Mystery Ranch and the Kuyu, and the Kafaru. So all those other ones were new to me. 
So yeah. nobody can even look at me and go, well, you had a favorite because I didn't. I never had even touched one before, <laughs> yeah. you know? So uh, I was – it just felt really good to me. It fit my body and, really well. Go ahead. You did You did have um, some squeaking issues though with the with the Kuyu, right, which is, is yeah. a, really a common common thing. It is, and, and I don't – you know, I, I don't know – it, it, when I took all the stuff apart, not even looking for squeaks, I was just taking it apart to, you know, look at it, figure out how it all works. Cause that's how my mind works. Um, if something breaks, I want to know how to best fix it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I was taking everything apart, much like I did with your guys's bag. And I started looking at all this stuff and you could see where they actually encased some of the frame with like, almost like a rubber type, um, edging. Yeah. yeah, to keep it from squeaking. Um, so I, the only spot that I ever had squeak was just what I pointed out in the video was where the strap was coming around the edge of the carbon frame and rubbing as you walked. Um, and as soon as I reversed those straps, I didn't have any squeaking at all unless I had a load, you know, unless I just completely, completely cinched down the load. Um, and then it must have been the bag rubbing on the frame. I don't know. I could 100% see how that would turn someone away from Kuyu. Sure. Because anytime you're walking and that's all you're hearing in your ears, it just sucks. Like it's mm -hmm. miserable. Um, luckily, I was able to get rid of it. Um, but it just it did. It fit well. There was I didn't have any slippage issues. The it's super easy to adjust. So that that one really surprised me. And then your guys's, you know, I, it first showed up. And I thought to myself, am I going to hike the Appalachian Trail? <laughs> I really did, you know, I mean, because it looks so much different than your typical bag and the frame design is so different. Um, and I had never seen a floating hip belt. Are you kidding me? Um, but just like with every bag, I, I either watched multiple YouTube channels and then still called the designer like Kevin to figure out how to fit it to my body, to figure out how to get the best, you know, um, contact points. Um, cause I, like I said, I just wanted to give every single backpack the, the best run for its money. It was definitely not my goal to, to not be wearing it correctly. And then say, this thing's a piece of junk. Like why that doesn't do anyone any good. Hmm. So, um, yeah, so I, I was, those are probably what, and, and I like the stone glacier too. Uh, there was just some things with the stone glacier that I, that I think could be designed differently that would make it a lot more intuitive and just a lot cleaner and simpler to use. Um, one of the but, things I think is funny that when you, you, you went through part one and you had your upper tier, which was us, QU, Sitka, Stone, right? Which they seem to be the same upper tier after you went through all the field testing as well. Um, but what I thought then was there's actually some similarities between us and the Sitka pack and the way it, their frame is more of a perimeter frame. Yep. Um, where our frame is a perimeter of the bag as well. Yep. There's compression right off the frame. It's an aircraft aluminum. It's relatively wide by comparison where ours is wide and then it narrows no towards the top. But there's quite, quite a few things that I thought were kind of similar in their design at a core concept to our design at a core concept. Um, so it was kind of interesting that we both kind of ended up in there. And then frankly, you could, 
while the QU frame is more narrow in the lumbar area, lumbar area, you could say that there are some conceptual parts, you know, to them that are not that different than Sitka in how basically the compression attaches directly to the frame um, for the most part. And then the stone, they use that kind of X with a yeah. perimeter frame with a perimeter as well. Yep. So it seemed that you had a preference for frames that were more perimeter sturdy because a lot of those will go like this, go narrow, yeah. and duck into your lumbar and try to, and then put like a frame sheet or they'll put a crossbar that extends out in a couple areas, but they don't really cover the perimeter of the bag. And it seemed like for you, the perimeter concepts maybe. Would the one outlier and I would be another frame that has adjustable frame height. They have kind of a, per, I think they have kind of a perimeter concept that is kind of like our frame turned upside down. Um, but maybe I'm wrong on that, but I think I've never worn one of those, but I think from looking at it, that's what it is, but they weren't in the top tier, so. Yeah, you know, and, and really EXO, they did, they did great for me. Um, for whatever reason, I wore it like nine days straight. Um, and for whatever reason, it started really putting a lot of pressure in my lower back and it just got uncomfortable. And I don't, I don't know why, um, I, I, it could have been the way I had it fit. I mean, I, I'm, I'm man enough to say that I could have just had something incorrect, you know, um, mm -hmm. there's, there's enough people out there that love the EXO. I really liked it the first time I took it out. Um, and for whatever reason, um, it just seemed like, seemed like my lower back started getting more and more sore every day. And I don't even really know why. Well, so I don't know. I've uh, always put us into that. We're more of an avoidance frame. Like we kind of avoid your body for the most part. We kind of wrap around it. Um, Sitka seems to be kind of like that as well. Um, I would say the stone is a little bit of an avoidance as well because they have a fair amount of strength in the exterior part as well. Um, where a lot of the other ones try to be a conformance frame and fit into your lumbar, curve over your shoulders correctly, um, but they also narrow that support load where we put it out almost wide around your back. Um, so I just think conceptually they're, they're, they're totally different animals, a lot of them and, and how they work, right? There isn't, mm -hmm. there isn't necessarily a right way or a wrong way for a, for a long time. External frames were mostly avoid avoidance. Then the internal came with the dual stays and frame sheets and they were much closer to your body, but not near as widespread. And so it's all, it all kind of comes down to, I guess, your core design philosophies. So. Yeah. And I, I noticed too, especially like with your guys is, uh, and the, and the Kuyu, but the Kuyu's frame was a little bit shorter than your guys's. Um, but one, one of my favorite things about your pack was the fact that I was able to move my head around, look uphill, do whatever without smacking my head on the frame. I don't know what it is about that, but it's like, it's an insta pissed kind of thing. I just am like doing something. And then I like go to look up and I smack that dome on that thing. And I'm just 
so frustrated. Um, especially I've, there's several times when I've been in the middle of a crawl and I've lost my backpack before. So I've kind of decided to just leave the backpack on. And when your belly crawling or on your hands and knees, and you go to look up and you can't. Oh man, I'm just yeah. so mad. <laughs> sure. It's funny because there are people like uh, Nathan who works for us and who is instrumental in the pack design. He doesn't, he doesn't mind the head hit, right? He will go with the biggest frame possible. He does not mind it. Yeah. I'll go, I'll go low because I don't like the head hit either. For you, the head hit is like something that aggravates the heck out of you. I don't know where Dennis sits in this. But, yeah, I mean, but, I, I feel like it's got to be 80, 80, 20, like 80% of people are annoyed by the fact that they can't look uphill, you know? Yeah. Um, and it's something that, you know, it goes back to trying stuff on in a store. You don't get that when you're walking around a store, right? It's flat. You don't ever have to have to lean forward and look up. So it's hard to, right. hard to figure that out until you're, like you said, you're either belly crawling, trying to pick your head up and you can't do it. Man, there's nothing... I, I agree. Like, I don't think there's anything worse than trying to look for something and not being able to move. Maybe they should put a course in stores. Like, they put a real steep incline with a mountain there you go. route that you need to look at. And, and then they have you, like, crawling under a bunch of, like, limbo-style things. With there you go. Uh, just so you get the full experience before you take it home. Well, yeah, and you should have it to where that if you're not looking up hill, paying attention where you go, and you like fall through trap doors or something, because <laughs> you know, like, kind of like wipeout style backpack yeah. test. <laughs> yeah. So, so what else? What else? Was there anything that was like a big aha? I mean, you were surprised by a few of the brands. Um, was there anything else that was like, holy cow! Someone had a feature that was like just absolutely cool or anything that just um, really stuck out? Yeah. So I, I, you know, uh, you and Sitka had, uh, an internal shelf on your bag, um, which, you know, coming from being a Kafaru guy, um, I was just putting all my load in my bag and I just learned how to load it correctly by putting whatever light towards the bottom so that it basically creates as a spacer putting my meat and then whatever else on top and then cinching it all down right um but it was pretty nice with like your guys's and sitka having something that actually keeps it where i wanted it um the kuyu kind of has something on the interior sort of similar to that but it's just with straps um but i was all i was really impressed uh as far as the Kuyu and their load shelf, because when you separate the bag from the frame, um, there's not extra straps in the middle to do all this, to connect everything back together. The straps just, just, they become double duty. Um, the, the load lifter strap for your shoulder actually runs through an eyelet or a hole in the frame and then the other side of that connects to the bag. So unlike um, like Stone Glacier, it, it carried the loads extremely well. I mean, I carried out a hind quarter, a front quarter, two back straps, two tenderloins of a bull elk bone in in that Stone Glacier. Um, at one time? At one time. Yeah. Real load. And, yeah. and it 
and it did great. Uh, but I still felt like there was kind of straps everywhere. Um, that was something that I noticed with the Kuyu because it was making double use of the straps. It didn't seem like there were straps floating everywhere because when you unclipped one, you just clipped them into other spots. Um, and, and I found that, I found that really, really intuitive. Um, I'm not sure what what your guys does as far as you know your ours is, your ours setup. Is that... some, ours is somewhat just the straps too. There's a top hold down strap, and there's a bottom hold down strap. Then there's the th- then the side compressions. But you know how with ours, it's you can use whichever's. But it's really just kind of loosen it up or unclip it, right? And then, and then clip it back in. Now. We went over one pet peeve. I got a backpack pet peeve. And I wonder how this goes. Straps in the wind. I yeah. absolutely hate being on some big old, you know, ridge and start hit in the face with the uh, extra straps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100%. So, like, here, one second. So, like, that's that's, like, exactly what I was talking about because... So here is the Kuyu, right? So when I pull it from the frame, this buckle here unclips from itself and becomes my load lifter and my other tension strap for my bag, right? So Mm. then there's like none of the straps in the wind. Now, conversely, when I do that with the stone glacier, I pull it apart. It reveals more straps. Mm. And, And not that it's a bad design, because it works really well. Like, uh, like I say, when I had all that load in there, it were I never moved at all. I mean, it works really well, but I think, I think it just makes sense to make double duty of a strap. So you don't have them smacking you in the face or, or flopping around wherever else. Cause I'm the same, I hate it. And I, I don't like using the Velcro things to roll them up either. <laughs> mm-hmm. I find myself just cutting the damn things. Is I'm like, you know what? I'm never going to need eight foot of strap, so I think I'll cut it down to two. <laughs> well, we use the Velcro things as well. I don't yeah, like yeah. them, but I don't know a better solution. So. Yeah. yeah Maybe a, re- a retractor. Re- retractor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, bungee, yeah, bungee style strap. Yeah, it's hard, right? Because sometimes you do need... A, a really long strap, right, to get yep. around two elk quarters or, or whatever you're trying to do. Yep. Sometimes you do need that length. Um, it's just what to do with that when you're not. Our not solution on that is our straps can be linked. Um, I don't know if you know this, but if you see, like, our straps have a tiny little loop in them. Yep. So you can take two of our straps and add them together and make them into a longer strap. Right, which is perfect. I mean, that makes mm-hmm. a lot of sense. Once again, because there you are making double duty of the strap. Right. Rather than having a six foot and a six foot on each side, when you're out hunting and doing whatever, you can just have your regular two foot, <laughs> one foot. And then in your pocket, you just pull out your extra compression strap, clip them all together and away you go. Yeah, I, ca- I carry a couple of ours extra for and I use them actually at camp for things right. like hanging the food, hanging food or hanging something around camp and then yep. i if i have an animal then i start to use them for the extra compression on a pack yep mm-hmm. yeah so how many how many days in the field did you spend with all these packs um so i had at least three days per pack at least uh the majority of them were much more than that um it just so happened that some of them 
I had him on and we tagged out really quick. So being that the goal was to also see what it was like carrying meat, I had to switch. You know, I couldn't be like, hey, awesome. There's two more tags to fill. Let's keep on this pack because it felt pretty good. I want to see if it still feels good. I that was kind of, that was one of the hardest parts, probably, in my opinion, because as much as I may have liked a bag or whatever else, um, I, I had to switch because I didn't want to, um, you know, something happen and, and not right. uh, not get a load when I had the opportunity to load it with a different pack. But it's called hunting, not killing. I mean, there's exactly. No, there's no guarantee that every tag is going to be filled. No, 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 not a, not even close. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, so I had a I had a question about like part one of your review. You did a you did a sound test, right? Where you scraped you kind of scraped the bags um, and did that. I I couldn't tell from from the review and and you had some microphones and you were testing kind of decibel levels and stuff. Was there a clear winner in like the quietest um, bag versus the there loudest was, bag? So so the Sidka bag had. Um, I think it had the quietest zipper um, as far as just the zippers are concerned. But mm-hmm. when you actually look at the, you know, what, what is it called? Like the, the size or the number of zipper that it is mm-hmm. um, it's, it's smaller uh, than say the Kafaru. Um, sure. So I would expect it to be quieter. I, I just would. Um mm-hmm. But as far as the actual fabric, uh, on the EXO, as well as the initial ascent, they have some of that stretchy type fabric on the face of the bag. And as the vegetation was going over that, it was very quiet. Um, I mean, that's the nature of stretchy fabric, right? It it dampens because it stretches, you know? Um, But as far as, uh, man, this one's so much quieter than others, not really. No, and they're all going to sound different too if if the bag is full, as mm-hmm. opposed to empty. Um, so, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Got it. Was there was there any test uh, that you was there anything that you you know you did a water test too right where you set them out and in very you know what I thought was done you know as scientific, I suppose, as you could, you know, some, some of those things are, are kind of hard, right? Like, um, but, yeah. but setting up a sprinkler and let it sit for in a certain amount of time and, and then checking things. Was there a test after the fact now that you've done this and, and been able to use them in the field? They're like, man, I wish I would have set this up or I would wish I would have tested them all, you know? Um, um, I wish, I wish I would have loaded them say with 30 pounds and tried to like, just crawl on my hands and knees or something like that in part one. Um, cause I think if I'd have done it that way, I think it's something that would have been very, uh, very measurable. You know, I could have, I could have crawled up the same slope. I could have been looking at the same target every time for mm-hmm. each backpack and been like, okay, you know, with the seek outside, I never had any issues. I could look up no problem. Um, with, uh, the other backpack, whatever, um, I, I was hitting my head the whole time. Um, so I think that would have been great because, 
you know, yeah, I mean, one of the times I was on, a, on an extremely street, I was walking up a rock chute. I mean, it was steep. <laughs> so, sure, sure. A, and I had the Kafaru on and I was like, yeah, I'm hitting my head. But I, who knows? I, I probably had to hit my head with all of them at that point because it was so steep, you know? Mm. So I think that would have been kind of nice for people to be able to see like, okay, this is, he's doing the same thing every time. It's the same slope looking the same distance out in front of you i think that would have been beneficial a little bit of consistency there so yeah consistency exactly you've got some nasty messages from business owners (laughs) or tech designers did you get any from fanboys or were, were all the fanboys really like oh just thanks so much for doing this um i actually i had a few people that were like well, Mystery Ranch wasn't in here and it was the best, you know, it could have been the best. And I, as soon as I just responded, you know, with, Hey, the reason they weren't here is cause we reached out and they, they didn't, they didn't uh, respond. Um, that pretty well put it all to, to bed. I, you know, <laughs> so many people told me that Kafaru fanboys were just going to like eat my lunch. You know, I, there were several comments from, random people oh no kafaru didn't win all the crybabies are gonna come out now and i was just like here it comes <laughs> um but really it wasn't too bad i had uh i had one gentleman reach out about an exo um and he he was not affiliated with the company in any way so i don't want that to you know i don't want anybody to think it was like the owner or something it wasn't it was just some guy that really liked exo and and uh he just had some concerns about it and I just addressed those concerns as best as I could. And, uh, another guy went on like a whole page long, literally rant about how carbon fiber, uh, is not a good solution for a frame and how over time it can get stress cracks and crack and all this stuff. And I'm like, maybe so, but I, what do you, I, I can't test them for five years. I mean, what, I don't mm-hmm. know. I appreciate your insight and your knowledge and your input, but I, okay, sir. Thank I don't know. You. I think you should have the five-year update. You just need to keep using, <laughs> using all of these packs, swapping them out yeah, every year. You know, you need to put uh, 20 days a year under each one. Yeah. And uh, haul out a minimum of three animals each. Yeah. And uh, I, I would like to take the, my four favorites and just basically make a part three for next year Mm. and, you know, just be much harder on them because as I told you, you asked me several times, uh, cause you guys wanted to see the, the wear and tear on the bag and all that stuff, which is, I completely understand that I can understand from a design point of view, why, you know, that, that makes sense to me, right? Like I'm a, I'm a gearhead, I'm gear minded. Um, and, but with like, much like I told you, I said, you know, once we shot an animal and I had a backpack on, I had to change in order to be as consistent as possible and hopefully pack something out with the next backpack. And I would love to take those top four that really felt good to me. Once again, it was to me. They felt good to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, and just hunt with those four next year. And then well, we, we shipped it back to you. So you're not going to be minus an SO pack. Well, I'm, I am super excited because, like I told you, that was – we, we put a hydro port in there for you. Oh, well, look at that. <laughs> uh, two of our improved hip belt pockets. Oh, so, cool. 
Cool. Well, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, I'm excited to see what you guys changed up because I did notice um, the ones that were there were just hard to open single-handed, uh, which in all honesty, most, most pack companies are, they're just, it, it takes, a, it takes the right design and a lot of stuff going on mm-hmm. to make it so you can open it one handed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, people don't really realize how much force it takes to move that zipper, but how much, I guess, almost friction you need to have in order for the fabric to be able to stand up. So the zipper can move. Yeah. Little, um, little zippers fare better there. Yeah, than, for sure. Um, but then little zippers break and it is pretty like sewn in hip belt pockets are so much easier to do that well with um, like what's on our flight packs but at the same time if you're hunting in grizzly country and you want your bear spray like right on your hip or your sidearm you know then that doesn't work very well for you well, right, and the and the the stitching of a sewn in pocket allows the rigidity for the zipper to work correctly without mm-hmm. moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we went with a slightly different concept in uh, this, so it's not quite the same concept that it was. It kind of partially wraps the belt and then partially also connects. So. Awesome. Mm-hmm. That's cool. It's really cool. I look forward to checking it out. <laughs> But no, I think, I do think, you know, the, I think the Stone Glacier, uh, the Kuyu, the Sitka and the Seek Outside, I would love to just use those for this next year. And, uh, you know, maybe at the end of the year, if one of them didn't hold up or one of them, cause my plan is I'm going to do an individual backpack video covering each backpack for on my own YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's purely because then I can actually dive into the backpack. I can say, hey, here's the seek outside. Here is some adjustment features. Here's the bag I have. Here's some of the pockets. Um, here's some stuff you might not have thought about that are part of this bag that you don't really see until you get the bag. Um, here's some other things I like. Here's some things I don't like. This really dive in probably, I don't know, eight to 12 minutes on each bag. And, and that way, you know, if somebody's, I, that way, if somebody is like, "Hey, I really like Kafaru," great, go watch the Kafaru video and and do you feel free to take it what I say with a grain of salt, you know? Like I don't, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but again, my whole point is to um, is to hopefully educate the audience so that when they come time to buy a pack, uh, whether it be a Kafaru or not, you know, maybe, maybe they've always thought about buying the 44 mag and they watch my video and they're like, man, I don't think I want the 44 mag. I think I want the 22 mag instead. You know, it's not my goal to sway somebody to a different backpack. It's just my goal to inform them so that when they go spend the money, hopefully they get it and they're excited and it works well for them rather than, man, I just spent 800 bucks and that really sucks. You're acting, <laughs> you're acting more like a gear journalist. It, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah, yeah. Just just here is what the – well, I mean, I guess using the term journalist these days would – uh, it's probably not the best term. What's a journalist, to... Kevin? Yeah, yeah. But but technically, trying to just be like, here's the here's the facts and stuff. So you're yeah. going to do that on your own. I was actually, one thing surprised me was a million people were bugging, were saying, come on, Zach, when's part two coming? Come on, Zach, give us the rest of it. Give us the rest of it. 
And then it came out and they were like, okay, cool, thanks. It was like there hasn't been a lot of dialogue since that time on it. Before then, everyone was like a million questions or something. I know. I think I had more people ask me when part two was coming out than I had people respond to part two. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe that's because you did such a good job. Or, or, or it was the opposite. They're like, man, this is pretty worthless. We don't need, we don't need to add anything to the conversation. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I had, a, you know, a lot of people, much like my Kevin and and Robbie, you know, people that actually know gear reviews, say, hey, that was a very comprehensive backpack view with that many backpacks. One of the, mm-hmm. you know, and the majority of people said that's one of the best reviews we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So. Um, so, you know, Dennis, maybe you're right. I don't know. I did have a few people, like I say, reach out and they were very unhappy, but, uh, I feel like that's, that's how you know, happen. that's, that's how you know you're doing it right. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. There's no way you're going to make everybody well, happy. Well, you know, reviews are so, okay. I'm going to go on my little side trip rat hole on reviews, right? <laughs> so, so many times reviews are, are kind of like a participation award, right? <laughs> Because people mm-hmm. don't want to offend companies that give them money for advertising or might give them money for advertising. And so they say, well, we'll give this one best three-day. And this one is best two-day pack. And this one is best or, or pack, tent, sleeping bag. Whatever. Right. I mean, sometimes <laughs> because like you, you mentioned earlier, you had some owners of companies call you up, be like, why aren't we winning, Zach? Or whatever, you know? Um, on the flip side, some owners of companies might be like, say if that was a magazine publication, like, if we're not winning, we're not paying. Yeah. You know? And, and on the flip side, though, I had, uh, and, and not this specific review, but I have had uh, – the people that design some of the stuff that I review reach out and tell me, thank you for just giving your honest opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, we sent you that stuff for free, you know, but thank you for giving your honest opinion and not just saying what you think you want me to hear because I sent it to you for free. So I've had both. Um, but I, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of designing some of my own things and I can understand when you, put all of your thoughts and your heart and your soul into something. If somebody says something that, you know, that, that offends that idea or whatever you work so hard on, I can understand that, that frustrating you. Like I, I, I oh, get it. So I, I didn't take anything personally and I never well, will. Um, I know that feeling. It's, it's, yeah. uh, it's one in which you have to, I don't know, compartmentalize the feedback and what specifically it's addressing. And sometimes Sometimes it's like poor execution of an idea. Sometimes it's a poor idea, you know. Um, yeah. Sometimes it, the idea is fine, the execution is fine, but the person testing it isn't the target of what you're trying to target, so it's not going to work for them. Right, so right. You, and you have to figure out what feedback is valid because, like, if it's executed, if the idea is good and executed well and you just are giving say you had a 610 tester and that was way beyond what you ever were trying to design for you need to realize that 
man, his feedback was specific to six ten. The six ten person, right? Yeah. Uh, and so yeah, you do and I mean you can easily take it personal and decide all of a sudden that the whole world's against you and F these people or whatever and you know, they don't they don't see my they don't see my idea the way I do, you know, I mean, but it can it can go wrong pretty quickly if you uh, if you don't have the right perspective on it. Right. I mean, we created the most weird looking backpack ever practically. I mean, don't think we got some harsh comments initially on that. Right. You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, well it... we just said, you know, well, I thought, am I going on the AT or whatever, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, and, and, and in part two, that's why I started off the video with specifying these are the backpacks that work best for me. If you have a different size body, something else might work way better for you. And that is why I also talked about all the things that I liked about the backpacks, not just the stuff that I didn't like or I think would be maybe even not necessarily liked, but just maybe if they changed it this way or that way would work a little better. Um, but there wasn't a single backpack in part two that I didn't list probably at least five or more things that I really liked about the backpack or about the bag design, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. so I, I don't know, <laughs> whatever, you know, it's part of it. <laughs> Cause I did, I, I, I mean, every backpack, um, the Kafaru, the Sitka, the, the seek outside, the initial ascent, the, it didn't matter. Every backpack had, a multiple, you know, multiple things that I really enjoyed about the backpack. It just didn't end up fitting my body as well as some of the others. Well, that, and, and to be clear, I mean, like in, in our goal you know, with like seek outside, you know, we're trying to get high performance, lightweight, um, with good field use for hunting, right? We're not so worried about whether you think that it has your spotting scope pocket because it does, but sometimes people need it to have a little label that says spotter pocket or tripod pocket. And that used to be like, say the historical design of hunting packs. And you ended up with a 12 pound fuzzy backpack, you know, and, and that isn't our goal whatsoever. Our goal is to keep our packs between three and five, which we think you can totally make a good hunting backpack for backpack hunting uh, and hauling game in that three to five pound range. And, you know, the hills around my house are pretty steep. Um, and, you know, I'm not getting any younger uh, every year. They, you know, uh, every year when I'm hauling a load up, I'm like, am I sure that I am carrying as little as I need to? You know what I mean? And yeah. So. Yeah. And that was something, you know, that, that truly impressed me about your guys' backpack was it was just how light it was. <laughs> I just remember pulling that thing out of the bag for the first time, and I was like, "The hell is this thing? Like, is this like you know? Is this thing actually going to hold up?" And it did incredible. But I, you know, most, most not most, but um, the Stone Glacier was pretty light. The Kuyu was also pretty light. Uh, but man, your I mean, your guys was the lightest. Um, uh, I think, I think the Kuyu and the Stone Glacier were very close. Um, but it just, it just blew me away, you know, picking it up out of there and, and 
even every time I go to put it on, I'm like, man, this is just nice. <laughs> it's so light. <laughs> it's like, well, I can carry the zero degree bag and it's like free weight yeah. <laughs> compared to whatever else. So Yeah. yeah and, and two, uh, another thing definitely about your guys is I was impressed with how large the 5,400 cubic inches really was. Um, I, you know, there's, at least in my experience, there's sometimes you open up a bag and, and, and really this doesn't really apply to any of the backpacks I tested, but other ones I have used, it's like you open it up and you're like, this is 5,000 cubic inches. Where, where the hell's the other 2,000? Well, <laughs> you, you know, there is an official, there is an official spec for measuring volume, right? Um, backpacks, but almost no one pays attention to it. Um, the spec is like 20 years old. Ours, when we did our most close to official spec we could, the internal bag comes out like 53 and some change. And then there's about a thousand in the exterior pocketing. So realistically, it feels like about a 6,400. Um, but a lot of people fudge on those numbers because they want to win the weight battle or they want to win something else, right? Or that people think, I've had people call me up and be like, well, when are you guys going to make an 8,000 plus bag? I want to buy one. And I'm like, we're not. You know, uh, it's big Brooks, enough. Trust the, me. <laughs> the Brooks is as big as it gets. And then they'll claim, well, but I, I use this other bag from some other manufacturer. It's 8,500 or something. And I need 8,500. And I'll be like, go compare, look at the numbers of the bag dimensions and you'll see where every bit is big, you know, but other people call it, you know, it's, I mean, Cars have fuel mileage standards that everyone sits, but at one point, cars were like, oh yeah, I think it's about 20 or whatever, yeah. you know? Yep. Um, there is a standard, but people don't follow it very well. Some companies do follow it well, um, but others either, especially in the ultralight backpacking, other people, companies just disagree with the spec and purposefully don't follow it. And then you also get into people marketing their numbers. Like I would be, I wouldn't be shocked. Like if we make our flight bag just a touch bigger, so it fits a bear can really well. But if we actually lowered its number of its spec to a false number, if it wouldn't sell better because people don't, the ultralighters don't want to buy too big of a bag then right. they feel that their buddy's going to say, hey, can you carry my lunch or something? <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, but they want their bear can to fit. But they don't want a whole lot of number in the leaders. But our flight is what our flight is. We spec'd it. You know, we didn't put an arbitrary number. We did, we did our version, which is as close to spec as possible for measuring it. Right. Um, and... And that's the real number. But I, I, I would be willing to bet that we could make a Flight 3 slightly bigger, show a photo of a bear can in it, drop its number on its spec and sell more. <laughs> Probably. 
Because <laughs> I, I, you know, I remember I got the, you know, the lantern and, uh, the first time I did the snow collar, I started rolling and I was thinking, man, you know, it's 5,000 cubic inches or whatever, 5,400, I think. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's going to end any second here. And I kept going and going and going. I was like, holy crap. <laughs> this thing goes forever. <laughs> I can fit more than I need in this thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're definitely they're definitely bigger, right, than um, than most companies measure things, I would say. Like, we yeah. like uh, we like to under promise over deliver. There you and go. If, if your butt hurt that it's too big or too strong, <laughs> well, sorry, I'll I'll take that. Right, right. <laughs> you know, do you have any other outside of those reviews? Do you have any other big reviews in the works? Uh, yeah, I'm doing a uh, a QU Gale Force review uh, at the moment. It's it's their top of the line cold weather system. Um, and then on my own, I will be, I'm going to review it against the Sitka blizzard system. Um, and as everybody knows they're, uh, you know, <laughs> I actually, my, my, my thumbnail photo is me standing in a boxing pose with my, with the Kuyu on and then me standing in a boxing pose with the Sitka on. <laughs> Because, I mean, that's how those, it just seems that's kind of how those companies it, are. It seem that they've been so far removed from it that it wouldn't be that much of a embedded in their culture anymore, but I don't know. You at know, it's crazy. It was, at one point, it was very huge. Like It was like blood. Yeah. There <laughs> was like, if you did something, QU needed to do it just yeah. a little more extreme or whatever, <laughs> you know? Yeah, so I have those, um, and I would like to do something with uh, with like some uh, uh, some wood stoves. You know, there's so many there's so many wood stoves on the market from from you guys to Kafaru to uh, you know some cheaper but much heavier um, models, and it would be kind of interesting to get those and then truly look at the size of the wood box next to each other, truly look at the weight, um, see how well they burn and all. I think that'd be kind of interesting because when you walk in however many miles or you do something like a, you know, like an Idaho trip, like Ryan Lampers does, um, you know, you're up there and you're up there. It's not, you know, you need something that burns well, you need something that holds up, you need, you know, it, it, it's gotta be the right thing. And just because you saved $400 when you bought the stove might not necessarily be a good thing, you know? So it, I, I think that would be an interesting one. Um, Lampers fits our testing profile pretty well. Yeah. 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 I, I like Ryan a lot. He's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> so... Yeah, so I, that's something that I think would be kind of a kind of a cool test. Um, and then, you guys should do a hunt together. You have a media company. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, cool, Zach. Well, I don't, you know, thank, thanks for jumping on and, and doing yeah. this today and, and giving us a rundown. We'll we'll check back in maybe. Um, Maybe after you have another year with the lantern and see see how it's doing, cool. see how many see how many things you've broken. 
Yeah, <laughs> I, I I do break a lot of stuff, and I, I just want to you know close it up with I appreciate all the companies you know, including you guys that were that were willing to send the packs and and let me just test them. You know, realizing that that's all that I'm going to do is test them and give my opinion and my feedback. And um, I you know any type of feedback I didn't take it to heart. Um, I. I just, I understand it, you know, so, um, I appreciate everyone that, you know, all the companies that were willing to, willing to lend it all out there. And then all, all the people that followed along and put in their thoughts and comments and, and ideas and whatever else. I just, um, I have no hard feelings toward anyone or their comments or whatever else. And I just appreciate the, you know, everybody tuning in to the, to the test. So, and thanks for having me on your podcast. Awesome. All right, Zach. We're happy to have you here and we were happy to participate. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. Have a good day. Yeah, you too, guys.